Welcome to the Numbers People podcast, where each week we're going to be speaking with some highly regarded senior finance professionals and career experts, looking into the ins and outs of what makes finance people and their teams great. The podcast is proudly sponsored by HPR Consulting, a leading executive finance recruitment firm. I'm your host, Richard Holmes. In today's episode, we welcome Heidi Duncan. Heidi is APAC Finance Operations Director for Unispace, a business revolutionizing the creation of the workplace. Heidi is a results-driven, energetic finance executive with over 20 years of experience. Commencing her career in the big four, she has worked for Chanel, Aldi, DuPont, Qantas, and Flight Center. Heidi is CA and MBA qualified and a graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors. A passion for mentoring people and developing high-performing teams Heidi has a charismatic and collaborative leadership style. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Hi, Richard. Great. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. It's all good. And uh, how have you been yourself? Yeah, very well, thanks. Enjoying the kind of lockdown challenges that I think we've all been facing, but trying to find some um, positivity in that and taking some advantages of things I normally don't get to do. And I think as we touched on before we start this recording, we've just learned to be uh, grateful for what we have. And I think with having that light at the end of the tunnel, back to normal before we know it. Fingers crossed. I've known about Heidi for a number of years in the, the Australian market. Your, your reputation is, is fantastic. I've only ever heard good things about you. I think your career is fantastic. And I, I think the listeners will get a lot, lot of this conversation. And would you like to tell us more? So I started 20 something years ago in accounting and big four. I was an undergrad at the time. I had no idea what I was doing but decided to start with EY and um, worked full-time while I finished uni part-time. So I think that was a really good start, actually, because it gave me that kind of focus about what work was about. I was able to kind of, you know, look at various different things. And I worked in uh, corporate finance restructuring, so I was exposed to a whole lot of different industries and people and all sorts of things at a very young age where um, I guess I wasn't experienced, but I quickly got thrown into that. One of the highlights, I guess, in my early days was um, being a part of the ANSET administration. So in September 2001, um, you know, I got a call from Arthur Anderson at the time where I was and they sort of said, pack for three weeks, uh, go to Melbourne to, to wind this airline up. And I was there for about 16 months. So as a young 20-something-year-old, it kind of um, really taught me a lot. But from there, I kind of uh, worked through various industries and I did a couple of roles in the travel space uh, with Flight Centre and Carnival Cruises and, and Qantas and enjoyed that time. And then probably my next biggest or longest role was at DuPont, the global science company. And um, yeah, I had two roles there um, as financial controller for ANZ and then finance director for ANZ for four years each. And so, yeah, at the end of eight years, I, I felt like I'd accomplished quite a bit, which was really interesting. And, and things like, you know, centralization to um, China and India of, of certain finance functions and really just learning about different cultures and, and traveling a whole lot more. And yeah, I was really, really grateful for that experience. So at the end of my time there, I then did a couple more roles with Aldi and Chanel um, as CFO. And then just this year, I started as APAC Finance Director for Unispace, which is um, a great organization that uh, does corporate fit-outs, so design, strategy, construction of workplaces. And, of course, at the moment, we're, we're obviously seeing significant change with this disrupted environment. And, yeah, so it's interesting looking at, you know, how the workplace landscape might change uh, as a result of COVID and, and what people are intending to do with their uh, space going forward. That's where I'm at at the moment. Excellent. And just listening to you then, Heidi, 
having that the, the start of your career in Chartered and that exposure to all those different companies and with working in travel earlier on, were you conscious of working in any particular industry? Because you've worked in a few industries now and had good experiences. Were, were you always kind of open to it? Yeah, I think I was definitely open to not the industry so much as really focusing on the culture of the organisation and who I was going to be working with. So for me, it doesn't matter whether you're selling you know, travel or consulting services or corporate fit-outs. Um, it's really about what value I think that you can add to the organisation and how you fit as part of that organisation and what role you're playing. So if I look at you know, the various experiences over time, the roles that I was given the opportunity to do were great because mostly they stretched me each time. And I think the lesson that I learned there was, you know, just do it. People won't offer you something if they don't think you can. And I think there's a bit of that imposter syndrome thing where we, we kind of say, oh, well, what if I'm not good enough? And what if I can't do it? And, and you look at the 100 points in the job description, you say, well, I haven't done the 97th point. You know, at the end of the day, you're pretty good and you've just got to realise that and you get in there and have a go. So, um, yeah, industry didn't worry me. And, yeah, as I said, I just wanted to know how could I make a difference and how could I succeed in the role? And I guess that's one of the questions that I always ask, you know, in any potential kind of, you know, interview type situation is, well, what do you see success looking like in this role and how could I play a part in that? In reflecting, again, on your career with that move, which was initially, what did you say, three weeks and it went on for 16 months, I guess at that stage of your career, what a great experience for you it was kind of on a social level something completely different because I just had to throw myself into it and go and from a work level you know it was Australia's biggest insolvency um, at the time and you know we didn't know what was going to happen we were trying to sell the airline we we're trying to get it up and running again it was an Australian icon so it was quite exciting to kind of be a part of that journey and that team and and I just learned so much in that process and, you know, and people that I still know today from my time back then 20 odd years ago so I feel really grateful. What advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career like yours? It really comes back to, again, just believing in yourself. And it's really easy to tell yourself why you can't do something. But you know what? Have a go. And if it doesn't work out, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, you, you can do something else. But I really think that I wouldn't be where I am today had I not been able to say yes to some of those opportunities. And you know, there's one story where I, I took the role at Flight Centre as financial controller and, and, again, I was 23 or something. You know, in the first week, my boss, who was this great guy who I, I still really admire to this day, said to me, oh, Heidi, you know, you, you've got this role that you've taken and, and that's all good. He said, but we've got this other role. What do you think about doing that? And I said, oh, okay, what is it? And he said, oh, well, it's basically, you know, moving all of the um, the brands, the different corporate brands into one centralised location and setting up a, um, a corporatized business model so that, you know, we put people in combined teams and we then sell that service offering to the general managers of each of the corporate brands in Flight Centre and we go from there. And I was like, okay. So I kind of, I took that plunge not knowing really anything about anything, but it was a really big learning curve for my leadership journey. And, and I had a great team of about, I think, 30 odd people at the time there who really just, you know, kind of taught me that I had to be agile, I had to be nimble, I had to kind of go, okay, we've got a problem here, let's fix it, let's go with the flow. Yeah, so I think it was that. And then from there, I actually decided to take a role at Flight Centre in Melbourne in retail. So I was back in Melbourne again, but this time it was permanent. And I actually made a big mistake. And, and that was that I thought I wanted to be in an operational, you know, commercial type role and out of finance when actually I didn't. And this retail role didn't suit me at all. But, you know, I did it thinking that at that stage I could do anything and, you know, <laughs> it was all going to be okay. 
and within the 12 months I was back in Sydney, you know, doing finance type stuff again. But, you know, I had to learn the lesson the hard way and, and that was, you know, something that, that I did and I'm, I'm happily happy that I tried. You've touched on it a couple of times, Heidi. You, you talked about believing in yourself and just doing it and I think that experience, I mean, is that thing, it's sort of a cliche, you've got to fail to succeed, but you've just got to give it a go. It's great to hear earlier in your career you, you were given those opportunities as well. And knowing what you know now, Heidi, you, you've worked for all these amazing companies. What would you what would you say to your younger self? If you were a 20-year-old Heidi, what would you say? What would you do? I think I was pretty harsh on myself in the younger years. And I think, you know, just in the last few years, probably I've, I've really kind of thought to myself, actually, you're not too bad. And I used to, for many years, think, oh, you know, you're just lucky. You, you're just lucky that you've got that role and you're just lucky that you've achieved that. And I've started to realize that that's not really the case. Um, the case is that you've worked hard and you've earned it. And I'd really love to go back and tell myself, hey, you know, you're good enough as you are and you don't need to be so critical of yourself and, and make things so difficult. I think I took life so seriously and my career so seriously and, you know, everything was about achievement, achievement, achievement. And now I kind of go, you know, what's really important, I think, and this COVID situation had probably made us all reevaluate a little bit about, you know, where are we, where we want to be? And if we died today, you know, would we be happy with our progress? And, you know, just not in a person, not in a business context alone, but also in a personal context. So, yeah, I'd really say to my younger self, you're good enough, go with it, be kind to yourself and keep going. Quite fascinating, Heidi, how we put so much pressure on ourselves in the 20s. We got this uh, illusion of what good looks like. and. When obviously you, you get older, you just think it's it's nonsense. Why do we do? Why do we think like that? But I guess you're surrounded by your peer group, people of your own age, and and, uh, and that's how it works. But yeah, it's um, I completely agree. Just don't take yourself as serious and be kind to yourself. And again, touching the, the you've worked for some fantastic companies, Heidi. Culture, I can imagine the culture of the businesses you work for is is being excellent. What does that mean to you? Yeah, culture to me is really about, I guess how you feel in the organisation, how you feel as part of the team, how you feel that your contribution is valued or not. I think it's a little bit a little bit of everything. It's a bit of recognition. It's a bit of camaraderie of people and how, and if I look at, you know, probably one of the cultures that I've really admired the most over my career, it's probably been DuPont. For an organisation that was 200 years old, you know, back when I was there, the culture was really strong and it was about safety and ethics and people. And I remember on the very first day we had a um, a fire drill, you know, whatever, and we were walking down the fire stairs and everything was, I'd never seen this before in an organisation, but it was like, oh, you know, hold the handrails and all this kind of stuff that I was like, oh, okay. But it was the first organisation really that I'd seen that lived by its values. Everything we did was really all about ethics and, and people and um, safety. So I kind of look at that as a bit of the um, flag mast for something that, looks good in culture um, and then I've seen some other organizational cultures that I kind of go yeah that's not really aligned to me and I think I've realized the importance over time of just how much culture plays a part um, and if we're not aligned with that culture then success is really difficult and so I think we have to be true to ourselves and make that decision about you know how does the culture in the place that we're in or the place that we're thinking about going to align with our personal values and you know am I going to be suitable to fit there Culture is a really interesting one, isn't it, Heidi? I think with what your company Unispace are doing in, in terms of that interpersonal collaboration, how workspaces have changed. And I think on the back of COVID, it's, it's changed indefinitely, hasn't it, in terms of how we get people together. But yeah, I think it comes down to leadership and the people, doesn't it? It certainly does, yeah. One wrong person in, the, in, in place and it all falls apart. Like working in, in the recruitment industry, you, you see companies that have fantastic cultures. 
person at the top changes and it changes overnight. And if you could go back in time, Heidi, what would be the one thing you'd change? I don't think I'd change anything because I think that everything I have done, I have learned from every experience that, you know, I've had, I've learned from. And, you know, even the ones that, you know, I say when I made a mistake and that kind of thing, it's like, you know, I got something out of that though. And I grew to be the person that I am today based on those experiences. So I wouldn't change anything. There's one thing that I'm learning at the moment, and that is that I've always worked for really, really large organizations. And this is the first time that I've really worked for a smaller organization. So at Unispace, we have about 650 employees globally, and we work across about 28 countries. So much, much smaller than any of the other organizations. And what I'm finding now is that it's really, really interesting having breadth over an organization of that size, because I'm exposed to all sorts of different challenges that I wasn't in other organizations. And, you know, so one day I might be working on a, you know, a joint venture in India and the next day I'm working on, you know, a centre of excellence being set up and designed somewhere else. And there's all sorts of different challenges and, and things to learn. So one thing that I found interesting is that, you know, it doesn't always have to be a really, really large organisation to get that kind of excitement from. When you look at your career, there's a lot of candidates want to work for the larger corporate, the blue chip companies. And it is really case by case, isn't it? There's so many different opportunities. It's really what stage that company is going through. Like we deal with a lot of smaller companies these days. And some of the opportunities in the culture they have are just fantastic, where given that autonomy to just go ahead and, and do your job and you don't have that red tape, that politics bureaucracy to fight against. And um, and we've, we've seen that a lot, but it's very much a personal thing, isn't it? It's uh, what you look for. And again, going back to culture, it's the challenge of it. I think some people like that kind of routine of culture, knowing exactly where they stand, while some companies are just open, create it yourself kind of thing. But culture is going to be hard. I mean, with working from home, like how do you create a culture when you're all at home? It's, it's hard, isn't it? You know, and I've talked to lots of different people over different times, you know, during these few months about, you know, what we do. Um, we just had our, our team meeting a moment ago and, and we're never in the same place anyway because, you know, my team is in, uh, Singapore, India, New Zealand, you know, Australia. So we're all kind of over the place anyway. You know, we got on the phone or we got on Teams a little while ago and, and we all had a chat and we all shared what we're up to. And, you know, sometimes we do that at different times of the day, I guess, to kind of have different experiences. I was on a um, another call this morning and I, I heard someone say, oh, you know, that what we try and do is, you know, we have a beer on a, a Friday afternoon at four o'clock and we have our kind of meeting around that rather than just, you know, a normal midday kind of thing that's during the week. And I thought, yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually, to change the setting up a little bit. That's one of the really important things. But I think it's having empathy, I think, around, you know, just not really knowing what people are going through and how they're being affected by this current situation. You know, I think when we come into the the office or the studio, as we call it, you know, we all kind of have that personalised interaction with the people that we work with. And and all of a sudden, you're kind of stuck in a home kind of situation where you could see nobody all day if you didn't need to kind of thing, apart from the team's calls that you're on. So I think it's, yeah, it's changed. But I'm really just taking the, I guess, the advantage of what we've got right now. And that is really to spend more time with my children that I haven't been able to do as much in the past. You know, at three o'clock each day, I diarise an hour to spend with them when they finish school. Now, it doesn't happen every day. It has to be movable because I may have something on. But I've kind of seen that as, you know, we can go for a bushwalk at that time. We can, you know, play some Lego. We can do whatever we want to do. But I've just found that, you know what, like this morning, my first meeting started at 7 a.m. and my last meeting will start tonight at 9 p.m. And that's fine. And in between, you know, we can kind of be flexible. So, you know, it's all okay. We'll be fine. 
No, it's, it's, it's true, isn't it? It is all okay. And it's, it's good that we've adapted to, I think, going, moving away from this kind of nine to five where it's work on your terms. Like some people work better in the morning, some people work better in the evening. I think we, we've seen across the board a lot of companies just adapt, which is fantastic. And, um, and, and talking about that, going back to finance, Heidi, you, you've obviously seen finance evolve a lot. What do you think, I mean, with obviously the advent of video meetings becoming apparent, what, what do you think the future of finance looks like? It's more and more and more about the people and the ability to communicate and relate and adapt. I think, you know, 20 years ago, it was, you know, important that we had these technical capabilities, which obviously are still really important. But I think the thing now is that you can't have the technical capabilities without the people skills. And I think the expectation at a minimum is that we are able to communicate efficiently with with our organisations and the people within them and, you know, to talk about business strategy and and how we kind of move forward and how we can add value as finance to other parts of the business. I think it's not enough anymore just to be able to say, oh, here's the numbers and be reactive. I think we need to be a proactive part of the equation and, and really look at, you know, hey, I'm a part of this strategy. I'm a part of developing the strategy. I'm a part of executing the strategy. And how do we make that happen in between? And and I think we've got a really interesting skill set being finance people to to bring to the table because it's something that other people in our organisation often don't have. You know, if we sit at our executive table and we look at finance compared to the other people's skill sets, if we don't have those finance inputs to give and we can't communicate that effectively, then we're not going to be able to move ahead. So I think, you know, yeah, someone, there's a book that I'm reading at the moment actually and and they talked about, you know, the CFO being the heart of the organisation and, and, you know, the arteries and that sort of thing. And I really I reflected on that and thought, you know, that's really true because we are the, the connectivity type piece. And especially if you look back in the COVID kind of situation and, and all the things we've had to deal with in terms of, you know, downturns or upturns in and as it may be, depending on industry and, and you know, how we've been able to manage our workforce and how we've been able to you know, look at all sorts of legislative requirements and that sort of thing. Um, finance has really been key to all of that. So, yeah, I think we've done a, a pretty interesting job to learn and adapt to that. You touch on it then as well, Heidi. It's become that value-add partner. I've had a number of conversations where even just four or five years ago, they were battling to get into meetings and now meetings don't happen if they're not there. I got here late 2005 and just in that short period of time, it's, it's amazing what, what I've seen. But it's good though, it's exciting. Finance people, when I tell people I work in finance, like, oh, yeah, where, where's your pens in your pocket and stuff like that. But I think it gets a bad rap, but I think it's changing. I think that, I think if you can communicate well and you're into your, your numbers and your data, it's, it's going to be fascinating, I think, over the next 10 years where that, that technical accounting will be automized from AI robots. But if you can communicate, there's going to be so many opportunities for people out there. I think we don't even know yet what those opportunities are going to be. I think that it's still being developed and still happening. So um, I was always told, oh, you're not, you're not the kind of traditional finance person, are you? And I'm like, well, no, not really. And I think that's important because, you know, what is the stereotypical finance person these days? I don't think it is what we thought it was. If you had one message to tell the world, what would it be? Follow your passion, really evaluate what you want in life. Um, think about, you know, your long-term goals and, and they don't have to be, you know, what you're doing right now or what you kind of feel like you're locked into and and look at what's possible, take some risks and really just, you know, again, be kind to those around you, be kind to yourself and know that there's a balance in, in life of, of work and otherwise and, you know, make sure that at the end of your life you have achieved what you really wanted to achieve from a balanced perspective. 
which I think I haven't done very well in the past. That sounds a bit harsh. Well, you know, no, I think now I'm changing it. That's the thing that I'm kind of going, what does it mean? And, and I really wish that, you know, in some ways someone had said that to me earlier as well because, you know, I was always on a journey to achieve and achieve and achieve and now it's like, you know what, what else do I want to achieve? Not necessarily, you know, being the next CFO, CEO, COO of every big organisation. So. I love your point about following your passion, the, the amount of people I speak to who are working in companies have got like no affiliation to or they're, they're not proud of working for those companies. And it's like, well, move to a company you want to work for. I do think finance generalistically as well, I mean, we're obviously more conservative, more risk averse, that's a nature and that's a good thing, but just take some risks. Uh, again, when I'm chatting with people, it's they're just too scared to move. Just give it a go. What's the worst that can happen kind of? Yeah, and the other thing I'd say is, Really just give back a bit, you know. I mean, I think it's great to help people around you. And if you've had a great finance career and there's someone who's kind of just developing, you know, be available to them to have a chat to them, have a coffee with them if you can. And remember that, you know, you were there once and, you know, it kind of just helps to have someone to talk to sometimes. And I think that's, you know, kind of something that I want to keep doing as I go through it and kind of understand how I can make an impact both at work and otherwise. With that as well, Heidi, mentors, I mean, it's definitely becoming a, a good thing earlier on in our careers. We didn't even know what that word meant. That's when right. I in my 20s, I'd never even heard of a mentor. But hey, look, Heidi, I think you've been a great guest. I think you've been really insightful, as I thought you would be, and it's really good to hear your story. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Richard. I really appreciate it. No, no problem. And uh, take care. We'll, we'll have to have you on the podcast again soon. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.